has affected how I feel even about uh, being here this morning and um, this message. So I went back to Portland uh, last weekend. Uh, um, most of you would know that that's where Rebecca and I came from. Our home church there um, was for only the second time in 65 years having a transition of lead pastor. Only the second time in 65 years. I was there for the last one. It's a pretty important um, event. And um, it was simultaneous with our international conference. Um, and so we had we have more network churches in other countries than we do in the United States. So people from Africa, Asia, Europe, um, Puerto Rico, um, Haiti. There was Haitian pastors there, um, just kind of all over the place. So it was a big deal. Um, and, you know, it was an opportunity for me to meet. We have three other elders besides myself in this church. Uh, one is in Virginia, two are in Portland. And so it was an opportunity for me to meet with them face-to-face, have some uh, conversations. Also spend a little bit of time with my family, my grandfather, who's in his 80s. Um, but it's also a little bit of a reunion uh, because that's where our college is. And a chance for me to meet with some of the people that I went to school with and, and worked for. And... Um, I had a friend who um, some of you would know who moved to uh, Japan to start a church from scratch about a year and a half before we moved here. His parents, his family have been starting churches in Japan for more than 50 years. A lot of those churches are led by Japanese um, locals now, but the very uh, amazing thing that God has done in their life. And this particular individual, his name is Joel Kaler. Joel has probably kept up with me more than any other classmate from college. Uh, Joel was actually the person that gave us our first drum set um, as a church while they were just, you know, their church was a baby church. And so the drum set that you'll see, you know, for worship workshop, um, he gave us that and, and, and much more. And um, 44 years old, uh, married uh, two teenagers and a daughter that was younger. Um, He'd, he'd had a cough. Um, he passed away suddenly um, just a couple hours before I landed. And um, seeing him was one of the things that I was most looking forward to. We had, we had some uh, fun traditions of eating Asian food together. And um, it was a shock. Uh, what, what we didn't know, he'd had a chest x-ray not long before, but they didn't catch. There was a tumor in his lungs that ruptured. Um, and he just was at lunch, took some Japanese students to lunch and excused himself to go to the restroom and passed away in the restroom before paramedics could get there. So it was a shock. Um, I spent um, <laughs> a few nights just waking up in the middle of the night and praying for his wife and his kids and church and Suicide and depression are so strong in Japan and, and just praying for them. Um, and it was kind of amazing because, you know, the first question that I ask is what we do is we pray for the dead to rise. It's something that we believe in. It's something that we've done together. So the first thing I did is I found out if that had been done yet. And then when I found out that that, that had been done, then I, I knew in my spirit that God was asking me to release him. And uh, so one of the things that was amazing about that moment as I stood there with my parents whom he had rented a room from and had become really like family. It was very, very important to my sister as well in Cambodia and uh, given her the first piano that she had there in Cambodia. One of the amazing things was standing there in my parents' dining room praying to just kind of release God, uh, Joel to God and, and um, ask for God's miracle of grace and peace was a line from the serenity prayer 
that's in Life's Healing Choices book that we're walking through in this series came to my mind, and that is an asking God to help us accept hardship as a pathway to peace. And that was what I prayed. And, you know, I'm uh, so thankful for his life, and on, I had to come home, of course, uh, but um, I got to watch uh, streaming online uh, the service that they did as his family came from Japan and in mass, and um, they had a great service for him on Friday. I, I, I was asked to teach a class in, in the Bible college, and um, I really didn't know if I could do it, to be honest with you, uh, because I was uh, feeling so emotional. But it was great because um, I was able to do it by God's grace and also able to tell a funny story at the end. Um, that Joel and I shared. And so it's amazing the way that God works. Uh, but will you just join me um, in prayer? Now kind of all the ceremonies are done. And those of you that have lost people, you kind of know like there's, there's great closure and peace that does come through the ceremonial stuff and all the gatherings. But then after that, you go home and you're tired and you feel the loss, right? And so that's where this family and that's where this church is at. So will you just, um, let's just pray. Lord, I'm so very thankful that when we don't understand why, we can set aside questions about what happened, how, and when it happened, why it happened, and come to you and take comfort in who we know, and that's you. And I thank you that we can find peace in who we are in you, your kids. I thank you that Joel's your son, Lord, and that what matters is not how long he lived, but how brightly he shone for you. Right now, Lord, we come together agreeing with thousands of believers across the world to pray for a miracle of your grace and peace in Kelly, the children, and this young church. Lord, we don't want to think what it would be like If I were to pass away. And in that heart and compassion, we say, come God and do a miracle of grace and peace in Kelly, the children, and this church. Help them to be aware of your presence. Help them to be aware of your love. Help it to be supernatural. Lord, that no one would give way to depression. Lord, that you would be with them. Lord, we believe that you cry when we cry. Lord, that you laugh when we laugh. Lord, I thank you for such a wonderful, joyful celebration of family and friends telling stories, for memories, for what we take away from Joel. Lord, I thank you that I was able to see him pray the sunrise up and learn about prayer from him. I thank you I was able to see somebody who was humble and yet full of faith, full of vision, with a love for people that don't know Jesus. We thank you for what we learn from each other. We thank you that you are the miracle worker. We ask that as we turn to the scripture today, that you would help us, help us to have a sense of urgency and understanding that life is short and that it's a shame for any of us to allow one day to go by without experiencing your love, your forgiveness, and your healing. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank you. Um, I know that some of you are texting me and praying for me. I really do appreciate that. Um, thank you. Uh, we're, we're family and friends. And um, 
as is said, if you haven't had a chance, the, the books uh, we're using in this series, Life's Healing Choices, there's more of them at the back of the room on the book table. They're free. Just take them. But as is pointed out in the book, in Life's Healing Choices, people say time heals all wounds. And it's not true. It's not true. Time doesn't heal all wounds. And we can suffer loss. And it's okay to be aware of the loss of companionship here on earth with someone else for the rest of your life. That's okay. And I thank God that he gave us the grief process to come to healing in the face of loss. And I I believe that one reason why we feel loss so heavy, especially in cases like this where it's really unexpected, is because we're not created for that. That's not God's perfect design. And God created Adam and Eve and said, you can do anything you want but this one thing. At that point, I believe we were designed to live forever. Yeah, I said it. So when we die, when we suffer divorce, when we suffer moving across the country and other places, when we suffer loss, it's because there's a measure of that loss of companionship and relationship that is not God's design. And as we go through anger and hurt and depression and and, and it, the whole grief process, as we go through those things, we are in a sense worshiping because we are in a sense agreeing that it should not be this way. So don't shortchange your grief or your pain. But don't stay there either. Go through. Right? Because of who we know. Amen? Let's recognize that I'm, and I'm so glad that I'm going to see Joel someday in heaven. And Joel loved fast and really expensive cars that he would never be able to afford. So who knows what he's doing now, right? How fast he, he may have had a speeding ticket already. So um, I'm going to try in 20 minutes to go through what I wish I had an hour for, which I believe is very important for you. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, we're lifting this from Matthew 5, where Jesus gave um, his first significant teaching that was recorded, people call the Beatitudes. Some people call the Blesseds, um, or like to call happy, right? Jesus starts with this, it's like the sermon, it's like the lesson about the satisfied customer. It's kind of the opposite of what a lot of people experience at church, right? <laughs> Don't do this, you're bad. Jesus steps up and he's, yeah, I mean, it says in Matthew 4 that he was, everywhere he was going, he was saying, repent, turn around, don't live like that anymore because the kingdom of heaven is here. But his first significant teaching, it's God blesses. These people are happy. People like this are happy because God has blessed them. And so that's what we've been going through. And if you're keeping track, you're thumb punching notes into your phone or whatever it is that you're doing, we're on number four. Okay, we're on number four. We're going through an acrostic for the word recovery. Um, and we're talking about really a couple of different things. Uh, we're talking about um, finding healing from life's hurts, hangups, and habits. Finding healing from life's hurts, hangups, and habits. And so in that, we're talking about things where you have been hurt or you have received hurt or you're holding on. Maybe, maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's bitterness. Uh, maybe it's just hurt that has not been completely healed. Completely. You know, a, a wound um, doesn't find healing until we bring it out in the open and clean it. 
natural healing process. And the amazing thing is that especially in eight of these statements of Jesus, blessed, is actually the healing process. So the healing process from hurts, but also the forgiveness, the cleansing, the coming to a place of right living from things that maybe we're keeping secretive, mistakes that we are harboring, sin, cravings that has control over us. Uh, you may remember I referred to Gracie Hickson, maybe the best ever jiu-jitsu athlete, was asked if he could beat a great white shark. He said, yeah. He said, how would you do that? First, I drain the pool. (laughs) Some of us have secret sin, mistakes, cravings, stuff that we're holding on to that we're trying for other people to not know about that has control over our life that we're allowing to control us. Something that we crave that we shouldn't crave, an unhealthy relationship with sex, food, substances, where we have a craving, it feels good, and then it feels bad. Well, if that's the pattern, then you know it's sinful. Right? And it can feel like the game of whack-a-mole in our life, right? It keeps popping up and keep trying to smack it down. And so if you've experienced one of these things that you see on the screen, you know that you're human. And by God's grace, thankfully, you know that you're in the right place. This is the place for you. Even if you feel it's hopeless. So here's the choices that we've been going through, through our acrostic with R. The first choice is called the reality choice. It's where I realize that I'm not God. I must humbly admit that I need help. And I would say, especially in the loss of Joel in my own life recently, it has made me think um, about, and I do have regrets, and I don't have a, a problem saying that. I regret that there are certain days and weeks of my life where I allowed these things to affect me and bring me sadness instead of bringing them to the light completely and openly and openly with other people and experiencing real freedom and joy. I regret that. That was not smart. I'm talking about myself. Okay? What we need is a reality choice, and I'm talking like a deep down, complete, honest look at ourselves. Uh, I'm old enough to remember the movie, You Can't Handle the Truth. And we talked about why you might be afraid of an honest look and how there's real hope, right? So we have the reality choice, which is our R. Our E comes from the hope choice, which is number two, where we earnestly believe that God exists that I matter to him. We went over some really important verses and points that I would like for you to memorize and sink in. It's on the website and iTunes. You can go back, listen to that. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Come on, somebody. Mm, Got back around my charismatic roots and I'm just a little excited. Healing choice, thank you. Healing choice number three, the commitment choice, our C in our recovery acrostic, R-E-C. That is the commitment choice. And that was last Sunday with our friend Wes um, from the, the board of Aslan House. Love him so much. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. It's where we let go and let God. And that's what that phrase really means. It doesn't mean I give up and I just accept that whatever happens in my life is all right. No, that's not what that means. I let go and let God means that I open up every area of my life to God's control. (laughs) I can just feel the cringing. (laughs) I love you. Anytime I will sit down, buy you coffee and tell you about my problems and where... Some of you are not ready for that, right? So it's like, it's like, but we got to be real. 
It's this, why would you get up on this morning out of bed and come here and be fake? Let's not do that. I'm so done with that. Today we talk about number four called the house cleaning choice. There he goes, cussing in church again. The house cleaning choice in our RECO is that's the decision to openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. This is a little scary, but we're in this together, right? And everybody in this room knows that no one's perfect. I make a decision to openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Why on earth would we say something like that? Because Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 8, our text for this morning, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. I taught on this verse not too long ago. We're going to take a little bit of a different slant at it. And you may recall that I said, Jesus is not going to teach us something that's impossible. Jesus is not going to teach us about the benefits of something to frustrate us. He's not bad dad, bad granddad. He's not manipulative. He's not, right? Jesus loves us. The Bible says he leads us for our benefit. So when he says God blesses those who are pure of heart, that it's, it's possible. It's possible. For they will see God. Let's talk just real quick. The same is true for guilt that's true of pain that has been unresolved. Guilt destroys our confidence, damages our relationships, and keeps us stuck in the past. Is that true? Now, I want to I want to say something, and then I'm going to read through some scriptures, and this morning I'm going to do it quicker than usual, not explain them all, but just try to let the, the truth and the peace and the encouragement of the scriptures kind of wash over you as we go through them, okay? And if you want, anyone wants, I get happy to email them to you so you don't have to feel like you have to keep up. But I want to make uh, four quick truth statements before we do that. It's really important for you to understand, you cannot make your own heart pure. You can't. Good behavior doesn't purify the heart. A pure heart will change behavior. You can't do it. Repentance is not what you do to earn forgiveness. Repentance is not what you do to earn forgiveness. It's what you do because your forgiveness has already been paid for. It's done. That's why it's called the good news. It's settled. Third, The only way to a pure heart is through Jesus' gift of God's grace, which is free. Fourth, the basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been, but how good God is. Right? So you can't make your own heart pure. Repentance is not what you do to earn forgiveness. The only way to a pure heart is through Jesus' gift of God's grace. And the basis for a pure heart is not how good you've been, but how good God is. Watch this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You might be sitting there thinking, how is this possible? My mind is dirty. My heart is dirty. I still have to fight temptation. 
Well, look at this. You have looked deep into my heart, Lord. You know all about me, the psalmist says. We've got to trust and believe that He will do it. He will do it. There's a process. It's it's instantaneous, but it's also not overnight. Your role is to surrender, to cooperate, to work with God, becoming who you already are. Think about this. God can see you with a pure heart because of Jesus. God can see you with a pure heart as a new creation, the creation that He intended. Sure, we've got to submit to the process to allow God to cut away the things that shouldn't be there and trust that He's leading us for our benefit. We can accept the help that He provides to us through others, but it's so important that we don't let feeling bad about how we're doing to keep us from God. That's based on a lie, not based on the truth. Look at this, 1 John chapter 1, and verse 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. It's simple, it's there, it's, it's how it works. And we do need to think about this too, this isn't, this is an automatic thing with God because it's who He is, but it's also not easy in that term because God hates sin. Because sin is what keeps us from Him. Sin is what made it necessary for Christ to die. That was expensive. We can't really understand the fullness of God's forgiveness and experience that love and that peace and that joy if we don't understand how undeserving we are. Does that make sense? I brought up this verse last week, but or two weeks ago, but it's so important. Let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. That's a song, just like the last one was. It's probably kind of the blues. I like the blues. Watch this one. Philippians 2, chapter uh, chapter 2, verses 12-13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. That word in Greek, fear, is a out of a constant awareness of. Out of a constant awareness of. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It's God who gives you the ability. It's God who makes it possible. Really what's happening as we go through these changes is we are starting to become spiritually what we already are. Did you catch that? We're starting to become what spiritually we already are as we go through life change. And we are intended to grow, to, to change. We, we know that we're unhealthy when we're not growing. As we grow into this, into this new change, into this new strength, into this new peace, it's because we are growing into who God created us to be. It's possible. It's so important for us to realize that God is not asking us to make a promise that we can't keep. And I know as we, anytime we talk about life change, it's so easy for us to feel that way, right? Because we immediately feel that, that thing we've not yet been successful to grow up out of. As a writer, Hebrews talks about that, that thing that so easily trips us up. It's so easy for us to cringe and to think about that, but God's not asking you to make a promise that you can't keep. God's asking you to receive the promise that only He can keep. 
which includes Him giving you the strength. Here's another psalm. 32 verse 5. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and forget, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Who's ready for that? I don't want anyone in this room to experience guilt for one second longer than is necessary. Not one second. I don't want anyone in this room to allow unresolved hurt, unresolved sin, to negatively affect your life. You've heard me talk about my own healing journey. And a significant part of that in this the, la- the latter stage of my own healing journey was this realization that because of the sin, my, my own wrong mistakes in response to things that were done to me, after the fact, after receiving my forgiveness, I still allowed the emotional effects to continue, unable to receive love from other people, and allowed myself to be in a place where every morning I woke up and I expected things to go badly. And I experienced negative emotions on a level where I could, when I was healed of it, I can physically feel the difference. Listen, I've been trained in counseling, educated and all that other stuff. I've done hours and hours of counseling. I really can't fully explain this. I'm not articulate enough to fully explain this. But I'm telling you today that one of the reasons that I'm so motivated to share this with you is because I don't want you to experience what I did. And that is ultimately years of my life of experiencing emotional pain that was not necessary. I just thought I was supposed to tough it out in Jesus. That's not necessary. You don't need to go through that. There is healing that is possible. So let's talk about the steps. We've let the scripture wash over us. Moving past guilt. The book talks about this. I don't have time to explain fully. Number one, take a personal in- inventory. More a personal moral inventory. I find that most humans are not honest with themselves. And we allow ourselves to get busy. We create extra activities to keep ourselves busy, to numb ourselves from the pain. We don't, uh, you know, Mark Twain said something that came to me this past week as I was spending some time with some, some old friends. Mark Twain said, friendship is when silence is comfortable. Ever had a car ride and like you really don't like dead air, you know, silence, like the conversation? That just means you're not a close friend with that person. We can become not a good friend with ourselves. And that's why silence can be really uncomfortable and we make ourselves really, really busy. We need some painful silence. And one step is to take a personal moral inventory. What's gone on in your life? What's happened to you? What have you done? Where did you make a mistake? Something that's unhealthy, out of order with the Lord, where you should have done something good and you didn't, or you did something wrong and you shouldn't have. Hey, take a breath. Everyone in this room has two. Yeah, everybody. Number two, moving past guilt. Accept responsibility for your faults. Be honest. Don't rationalize it. Don't blame shift. Don't deceive yourself. Accept responsibility. 
yeah, it was me. (laughs) Accept responsibility. Number three, ask God for forgiveness. Ask Him. God, forgive me! I did it, it was wrong. By your grace, I won't do it again. God, forgive me. Four, admit your faults to another person. Wait, what? Admit your faults to another person. Allow me to bring some structure to this. Find someone you trust, someone who understands the value of this step, someone who is mature, someone who knows God well enough to reflect His forgiveness to you. Find someone you trust, someone who understands the value of this step, someone who's mature, someone God, know, God knows, knows God well enough to reflect His forgiveness to you. You don't need to do this with somebody that's like, oh, you messed up. <laughs> right? Right? Life-giving relationships. Number five, how do we move past guilt? We accept God's forgiveness and forgive yourself. God's forgiveness is instant, it's free, and it is complete. We should be quick to receive it, quick to believe it's complete, and quick to move on. That's not hypocrisy, that's the supernatural grace of God in your life. I'd like to bring this to a close with a few more scriptures And I would imagine that you're feeling the need for some courage. And so I'd like to remind you with some scriptures of three things. Remember God's kindness. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's promises. Remember God's kindness. Romans 2.4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Can't you see that his kindness leads you to repentance? It's, it's intended to turn you from sin. Romans 2.4 He has been very kind and patient, waiting for you to change. But you think nothing of his kindness. Perhaps you do not understand that God is kind, so you will change your hearts and lives. Romans 8.1 So there is now, no, sorry, typo, no condemnation. That was a bad omission. So, so if you look it up in your Bibles, what it says, so there is now no, say no, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So remember God's kindness. Remember God's faithfulness. Philippians 1.6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Romans 8.39, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hebrews 13.5, God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. Remember God's promises. If we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Ezekiel 36, 26-27 And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes. 
Remember God's kindness, faithfulness, and promises. So church, I'm calling us to the house cleaning choice. To openly examine and confess our faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Brian, will you come? Brian's going to share part of his story with us relevant to this point, And I'd like to lead us in a prayer as he comes, okay? Just, you can close your eyes. There's no reason to let another... We had an opportunity earlier in this service, but there's no reason to not right, right here, right now, ask God's forgiveness of your sins and ask God to help you share it with somebody else. Lord, I thank you that you have not left us on our own with our guilt, that you don't leave us in our sin without help, but that you sent Jesus, that it's done, that it's settled, that we can freely and immediately and quickly receive your forgiveness. So right here, right now, we confess our sins. We've made mistakes. We've not always done the right thing. We have done the wrong things. And we need your forgiveness. We believe that through Jesus we can be forgiven. We ask for you to forgive us and we ask that you would give us the courage to bring these things out into the light with another believer for the sake of freedom from them and healing. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who's been delivered from a lifelong struggle with alcoholism and other struggles. My name is Brian. Brian. I don't know about you, but I don't like cleaning my house. I just don't. I don't like the vacuum. I don't like taking out the trash. I hate doing laundry and dishes. Forget it. <laughs> but that stuff piles up. And I know when I come home, I don't feel relaxed. I feel tense. Because the, the newspapers, the magazines are stacked up. The clothes aren't clean. I can't find clean underwear. That's really frustrating. You know? And... And I just think, why can't I get a routine? Why can't I just get this? And so what I end up doing is I spend all this energy and I do this whirlwind cleaning. I throw a bunch of stuff in the closet. Things go under the bed. Some stuff gets swept under the rug. And I do the, a few pairs of underwear to get me through the next few days. And what happens? In my life, a few days later, the magazines are stacked up again. I can't find clean underwear. The mess came right back. Because I didn't do a thorough cleaning job. I just kind of half, you know, halfway did it standing here before you as a work in progress because Jesus is still working in my life I have to tell you in all honesty that this was the hardest thing I've ever done but it was also the most rewarding some of you know my story very intimately I won't go into a lot of details for time's sake but I was in the military for 18 years five overseas tours all kinds of ribbons and stuff saying how brave and tough I was and courageous all the stuff I did overseas did not compare to the courage it took to do this. It really didn't. But I didn't do it alone. Because Jesus was right there with me. And fellow believers like yourselves can be rare. And I, I called on brothers to help me get through this. I sat down with pen and paper. And this I can't tell you how important it is in my life. And I really tell everybody to do the same thing. Write it out. Because when it's just up here in my head. It's just up here in my head. But when I use my hand and kinetically put it on paper, now it's really real. I'm looking at it in black and white. My sins. The things that have been that I'm hanging on to. I don't mean every little tiny little detail. You don't necessarily need to do that. For me, it was the big stuff I did when I was drunk. It was the lies that I told that I still regretted 
and we go, oh, I can't believe I ever said that. And like, if I see that person, I feel ashamed because I, 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 I'm carrying that guilt because I know I lied to that person, right? When I wrote those things down, I then literally held that piece of paper up and I prayed to God. I didn't do this all in like an hour. I did this over a period of several weeks. And months later, I still go back and do inventories. I write stuff down that pops up like, oh my gosh, I just remembered something. I'll take it to God immediately. And unlike my analogy of like how my house gets dirty and I'm just running around trying to find stuff, keeping my house clean and doing this on a regular basis, things are orderly in my life. I don't feel chaotic. I don't feel, I feel rest. Feel peace, and I find joy. Confessing it to another human being was also a very hard part of that step. So I had to find someone I really trusted, someone I knew was walking the walk, not just saying the talk. And so when I sat down with that person, I felt comfortable. It was safe. And I could open up and say things I had never said aloud. And that's the next piece of this healing process one thing to put it on paper and see it in black and white it's another thing to speak it we're only as sick as our secrets when things come to light they have no power over us anymore so when I was holding on to all those things I did when I was drinking hanging on to all the things that I had done when I was lying and and basically living a very sinful life selfish self-centered life when I spoke them out loud and when I finished that process The world's weight, all that guilt, was instantaneously lifted off my shoulders. I cried. And this was hard for me to admit as a man, but I cried tears of relief. I didn't know how much it had been weighing me down and holding me back from feeling sunlight on my skin. Seeing a flower or a bird or animals or trees or nature. I just, I was so preoccupied with the past And so worried about the future, I couldn't be here in the present because I was carrying all the guilt and shame of my sins. Writing them on paper, brought them to light, and then I spoke them out loud to someone I trusted, and God took them and He threw them into the deepest part of the sea, never to be remembered again. I like to close with a little quick analogy. We never, it's kind of like driving a car. As long as I keep the windshield and I'm looking forward at Jesus and where he's leading me with those headlights in the dark, I don't bump into stuff. I don't run into trees and fence posts and people and I can navigate through life with clarity. But I have a rearview mirror there to remind me where I've been, what's behind me, so that I don't forget. But that mirror's small. It's there as a reminder, not... But if I put my eyes up and I'm looking in the mirror the whole time, you know what's going to happen. (laughs) going to keep crashing into stuff. I'm a work in progress. This worked for me. I encourage you with all I am. I implore you. If I could bribe you, if I could pay you to do it, if I could do it for you, I would, but I can't. Something that each individual person does with God. And it is a freeing, incredibly freeing experience. And I am so grateful to be standing here today because I wouldn't be alive if I hadn't started making these life healing choices real in my life. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Brian. Freedom is possible. I stand before you today and can tell you that I have freedom. 
from the things that used to control me. And it's not because I'm special. It's because Jesus is special. And this process works. Freedom is possible. You can live free from your hurt, your hang-up, your habits. Let's stand. Closed in prayer already. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so glad that we can be together. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.